Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hopping, Easter's on its way. This is Beth Moon. Welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy, and I will be talking about the history of Easter egg hunts. This is Cole, and I will be talking about Festa del Redentore, the celebration of the end of the plague. And this is Sydney, and I will be talking about how to have a fantastic Easter while inside during the pandemic 2020. Yes, so we are indeed inside the pandemic 2020. We hope all of you listening are able to keep safe and are doing a good job of social distancing and keeping to yourself and that this podcast can bring a little cheer and ideas to your lives as far as Easter goes and how it can be celebrated with your family or those that you're allowed to interact with. And if you want friends, you know, you have Skype and FaceTime. Several different applications available where you can interact with each other uh, visually, not just, you know, not just a phone call, but visually with each other. And you could actually do some Easter traditions potentially on those applications with your friends. We'll find out later from Sydney. My mom just learned how to FaceTime. That's crazy. So she (laughs) she FaceTimed the other day. That's right. That was fun. Yes. So lots of fun ways to interact with family and friends that you can't interact with on a daily basis right Right. now. That's exactly right. We do hope that you're keeping safe. What other holiday happenings do we have this week? Well, the weather is going up and down. So some days we have lovely weather to cook out and... You know, lovely weather to stay indoors or in your own, like, little backyard or large backyard if you have a big backyard. And then some days it's super cold where you just stay home and have a hot cup of tea or coffee and snuggle up with a blanket. Yep. Randy and I have had a lot of walks. We have about a two-acre piece of land that we're on. So we've taken quite a number of walks just to get out and about. And we saw our neighbor doing the same thing uh, across the street. Like, it's like many acres away. But we waved and said hi and made sure they didn't need anything and they said the same thing. So so it's just nice sometimes to get out. And when the weather's lovely, it's even nicer. So one thing most everybody missed this year was the Cherry Blossom Festival in D.C. For those of us that live in that area, uh, it looked very pretty. And right. there was actually some very pretty days. Like Sydney was saying, the ups and downs. There was a couple of days in the upper 70s that it would have been great to see. But fortunately for us, we have a cherry tree in the front yard. Right. Yeah, and it is gorgeous. I have to say, it is just filled with blossoms. It is absolutely beautiful. It's just the one. Yes, it's just the <laughs> but one. But it is a striking one. Yes. So we have been enjoying it. We've yes. been out taking pictures on different days and just a lot of, lot of exploring of your property and around the house and stuff. Just seeing things that may be... You take for granted normally, but when you're homebound, you see. That's right. And as of this recording, the blossoms are just starting to fall. So we're just getting beyond the peak season for the cherry blossoms in this area. And uh, we finally did get our Easter decor up. We came home quickly and we posted that podcast from Disney Trip. Shortly after that, we were pretty much homebound all week after that. Uh, So Beth had some time or made some time finish putting out the Easter things. And one of the things she did is actually kind of clean out the Easter items that we don't use anymore or are kind of dated, things that she's that we don't like as much or she doesn't like as much anymore <laughs> it's that me. could be that could be donated. So that was actually good because I think we ended up with a 
a more sparsely decorated but uh, nicely decorated that's area. so funny <laughs> it's just it's just more sparsely decorated because it's not all junked up well junk is a relative term right and that's the stuff that went <laughs> and things that like we went through um a country phase right and decorating so right. we have a bunch of that stuff and it just doesn't match what we do anymore that's it doesn't correct. match our house anymore so but somebody else could really like that and be able to use it right so, exactly yeah. Definitely. So in coming up to Easter, typically, and I know Beth talked about this last year, a tradition for families is to go on Easter egg hunts. So what exactly is an Easter egg hunt? Where little kids go and find Easter plastic Easter eggs in the yard that are filled with sweets or treats, put it in their little baskets, and then run back. Right. So typically, <clears throat> families or Nowadays, community centers or churches have a large field and they fill colored eggs, plastic colored eggs with candy, individually wrapped candy. And they have various age groups that they send out into the fields at different times. So they kind of take turns so the older kids don't just completely swamp younger kids as far as the candies. And the candies are more age appropriate to the, the age of the kids. Uh, the kids can go out and they either can collect a certain amount or they can collect as many as they want. Beth has a story about Cole uh, being really good at collecting Easter eggs. Called. He was about, he was like two or two, two and yeah. a half, yeah. And he gave his some of his eggs to a little girl who wasn't as familiar with the concept. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite as quick to grab and go. She was, she was so sweet, but that was a really sweet little thing yes. for him to do. It's funny because our kids were always good at Easter egg hunts. Unlike Christmas morning where they wanted to like take their time, and they do still take their time unwrapping gifts, the Easter thing they got where you, you picked up an egg and you ran. In fact, I taught them to run further than all the other kids to start because there was more available. So right. they, they did a great job. And, you know, I that. think we've sold the two of you a little bit on taking longer to open gifts. Yeah. It's yeah. taken some time because yeah. you're all about wanting to open gifts as quickly as possible, but... Well, not as quickly, but you have to stay on task, Cole. We've worked again. <laughs> but back to Easter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so a lot of times the Easter egg hunts are on a Saturday either the day before or the weeks coming up to Easter. So there's a lot, usually several opportunities to participate in large Easter egg hunts. In fact, um, sometimes the Easter egg will have a special thing in it where you can redeem it for a prize. If right. Some of them have that. like a golden ticket right. or whatever in it. Right. Some Something special that you can get. Or um, if it's for youth, sometimes we would do, because we also did Easter egg hunts for youth, right, for teenagers. Yeah. They like it We too. would do um, gift cards. You know, you can redeem something for a gift card. Uh, but Easter egg hunts and Easter egg rolling and Easter egg tapping um, have a long history. But first, a little bit about Easter eggs themselves. People around the world have given each other eggs at spring festivals to mark the season. That's been something that's been around for many, many years. Early Christians in Mesopotamia dyed eggs in the period actually after Easter. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the practice was adopted by the Orthodox churches and is spread into Western Europe. The egg, as you can guess, represents new life and rebirth, and it's thought that this ancient custom was absorbed into Easter celebrations. So during Lent... When Christians fasted to mark Jesus' time in the wilderness, eggs were one of the foods that people weren't allowed to eat. So when Easter Sunday came around, eating an egg was a real treat. Various traditions and superstitions sprang up around the egg at Easter. 
Eggs laid on Good Friday were said to turn into diamonds if they are kept for 100 years. That could be a tradition you start at home. My goodness. Gross. (laughs) Some thought that eggs cooked on Good Friday and eaten on Sunday would promote fertility and prevent sudden death. And it became the custom to have your eggs blessed before you ate them. It was also said that if your egg had two yolks, you would soon be rich. People used to play a game where they'd hit eggs against each other until one of them cracked. Do you remember doing that with your dad? Uh, yeah, his head didn't crack, but my <laughs> brothers and I always thought it was a lot of fun to on Easter to ask my dad to come down. We wanted to whisper something to him, and he'd lean down and would crack our hard-boiled eggs over his head. <laughs> we thought it was great. He kept doing it, so it must not have hurt too bad. Well, it's actually an English tradition to do that. So. Is it really? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I just thought, okay, dude. <laughs> Now, in England, there is something called a pace egg, and it comes from the word pascal, the Latin name for Easter. They were either hard-boiled hen, duck, or goose eggs with a colorful shell. The first mention of pace eggs comes from the early 18th century, uh, and then they grew in popularity with other games kind of revolving around them, like rolling them on the ground, kind of symbolizing the rolling away of the stone from Jesus' tomb. So actually, this kind of tradition was very big in England. Like in um, the 18th, 19th century, or, or 16th, 17th, 18th uh, century, there was a lot of, we're just going to do this thing, and then we'll come up with the connection to the Bible afterwards. <laughs> well, right, right. So I think a lot of these traditions were uh, had some pagan roots, and then the Christians yeah. kind of turned it into the... Kind of finding like root. an excuse to make, no, like, oh no, this is... Yes. Well, they, ro- Like rolling away. And actually, I'll talk about that Christian, in a second. Christianity or Catholicism often took over the pagan traditions and made them... Right, so it was like a way to like keep it, being like, oh, we'll make a connection. But like it probably wasn't the first thing that they thought of like in the front of our mind. Right, and if you think about it, it's really smart to make traditions and create a way to um, symbolize it to the Christian theme instead of the pagan theme, because right. people are familiar with that tradition. It, it could be a fun tradition or something that's rooted... So rather than try to take it away completely, right, 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 let's repurpose it. So going back a little bit in history, again, the eggs were actually given to the church as Good Friday offerings. Villagers often gave eggs as gifts to the Lord of the Manor at Easter. Oh, interesting. And then royals got involved too. In 1290, so that's a bit ways ago, yeah. <laughs> Edward I purchased 450 eggs to be decorated with colors or gold leaf, and then distributed to his household. So he had like a little egg-given gift thing going on there. That was a lot of eggs. It was. But the Easter egg hunt tradition comes from what country? Can you guess? Germany. Germany. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Right. So some suggest that the origins date back to the late 16th century when Protestant reformer... Martin Luther. Martin Luther. Martin Luther organized egg hunts for his congregation. So he must have been a pretty fun guy. He did a lot of traditions that involved family and community. He was, yeah, he was just, he was a very interesting man. He must have had a lot of energy. <laughs> he must have. He was very creative, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Yeah. So men would hide the eggs for the women and children to find. And this was a nod to the resurrection story in which the en- empty tomb was discovered by women. It was the rolling of the egg, the new life of the egg... Um, connection to Easter that Martin Luther was making. So in the tradition, the German Lutheran tradition, the egg hunt was linked to the Easter bunny. 
or the Easter Hare, H-A-R-E, as he was originally known. Oh, good. You spelled it. Yes. <laughs> Your Easter Hare, H-A-A-I-R. The first written re- reference to the Easter Hare, H-A-R-E, <laughs> was in 1682 in George Fra- Frank Vaughn Frankenau's essay about Easter eggs. The links, however, to ha- between hares and rabbits and Easter go back um, to Central Europe. And Cole actually covered that in a podcast last year about the connection between rabbits and Easter. Mm. But rabbits were often in Christian times associated with fertility and connected with the Virgin Mary. And actually, they sometimes appear in paintings of the Virgin and the Christ child. Oh, I didn't know Virgin, that. Christ child, fluffy bunnies. We'll have to look at that. <laughs> we will. <laughs> fertility seems to be very important. Like half of these festivals that we've talked about have fertility in them in one way or another. Right. I guess it's maybe because the turnover on children was so... Yeah, maybe the mortality rate was high. Right, the yeah, mortality rate was right. high. So the custom had it that the Easter hare would bring a basket of brightly painted eggs for the children who had been good. And these would be hidden around the house and garden for the children to find. Now, today, that's changed where we don't say it's only for good kids. Like the Santa Claus is bringing gifts for good kids. The Easter bunny or the Easter beagle is bringing it for, <laughs> for all thought, the kids. I thought about Charlie Brown, too. That's a great one. So moving a little forward in time... As a child, the future Queen Victoria enjoyed egg hunts at Kensington Palace. These were put on by her mother, um, the German-born Duchess of Kent. On Sunday, 7 April, 1833, the 14-year-old Princess Victoria wrote in her diary, Mama did some pretty painted and ornamented eggs, and we looked for them. So Victoria and Albert continued this German tradition, hiding eggs for their own children to find on Monday, Thursday. Albert was responsible for hiding the eggs, concealing them in little moss baskets, and hiding them around the palace. Victoria made numerous references to these egg hunts in her journals, including in 1869 when she wrote, After breakfast, the children, as usual on this day, looked for Easter eggs. The eggs were probably hard-boiled and decorated. That was the custom at, at the time. The simplest way to color eggs was to boil them with onion skins, which gave the shells a rich golden hue. Another technique was to wrap the egg in gorse flowers before boiling, and this produced a delicate yellow and brown pattern. Yeah, kind of interesting. The first artificial eggs began to appear in London in the 1850s, and actually it became very popular by 1874. On the 2nd of April, 1863, Queen Victoria noted in her diary, Baby Beatrice was very happy with a huge Easter egg containing a doll and its toilette. That would be its, like, its clothes and accompaniments. Which Affy, her brother, had bought her. So eggs were becoming something more than just the colored colored eggs, the colored hard-boiled eggs back then. Right. Uh, The egg hunt had its origins in Central Europe. Britain had its own egg-related Easter traditions. In the north of England and in Scotland, the custom of decorating eggs and giving them as presents or using them to decorate the home goes back many centuries. Is known as pace egging, like I was talking about before, and about the, the pace eggs. Oh, call back. That's right. You brought it all around. You fooled <laughs> us all. Egg rolling was also an Easter tradition in the north of Britain. When children came together from the 1790s, to roll decorated eggs down grassy hills. And then Easter eggs and Easter egg hunts became even more mainstream in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. 
Family life became more of a priority for the expanding Victorian middle classes because they had more disposable income. As a result, Easter moved away from being a primarily religious and communal celebration, became more centered on family, home, and children. So there isn't a clear point in time that we can definitely say this is when Easter egg hunts began, but they definitely have a long history of a number of things coming together by the time of Martin Luther, where he was definitely encouraging uh, Easter egg hunts back then. All right, so we are going to, for my topic today, take a boat ride a few centuries back and a little south and a little east and stop over into Venice. Unfortunately, a lot of the what we know as the Black Death or the bubonic plague came into Europe. This is before the point of fun Easter egg rolls in Germany and uh, all kinds of celebration there. So we're in a pandemic here, so I wanted to talk some about maybe the most well-known pandemic in human history, at least in European history, um, which is the bubonic plague. Uh, but also have a kind of a happy ending to it, <laughs> more, more importantly. So the Black Plague resulted in the deaths of somewhere between 80 to 200 million people in Eurasia. Wow. So you thought your, uh, your lemonade thing was bad. I know. Yeah, my polio lemonade yeah, right, when I polio did that. Lemonade. Uh, peaked in Europe from 1347 to 1351, and it was the first major outbreak of a plague in Europe. The result of the plague was a number of uh, social and economic upheavals really changed the landscape of Europe, uh, probably originated in Central Asia or East Asia, and came along the Silk Road, where it reached both uh, the Crimea, which at this point was under a, uh, a Mongol Khanate, or it went through the Venetians, which... We know um, the rats snuck aboard the trading ships um, maliciously on purpose. <laughs> as and rats then, do. As rats do. And that's what brought the bubonic plague. Uh, yep, that? so the fleas on the rats. The fleas on the rats. Um, so they snuck aboard uh, both Genoese and Venetian merchant ships, trading through the Mediterranean uh, and reached Europe via the Italian peninsula. And that's why. Because the Venetians were blind to the rats, that's why we have Venetian blinds. That's that's so bad. <laughs> that's where that name comes from. That's guys. true. They never they never knew. Oh. So the the interesting thing is that uh, the Italians were great at being very innovative during their time, and they were actually great at risk management. The word quarantine comes from Venice at this time. So they built all of these uh, Lazaretto hospitals um, and pioneered what we know as the plague doctor. Do we all kind of know what it looks like? It's the, the long black clothes um, with uh, the wide-brimmed black hat and the, um, the bird-like face oh, with yeah. the, the beak that comes oh. out. There's a picture on Facebook of somebody in Walmart dressed up like that. <laughs> That's oh funny. Goodness. Yeah. It's funny. It's a very kind of terrifying looking thing yeah isn't it sounds it? terrifying um but it was not terrifying for the time at all it was a very encouraging sight to see because um the plague doctors very quickly figured out the best ways to kind of treat it as best they could the long beak would hold um herbs and 
uh, other kinds of incense which would purify the air around the face of the doctor um, so that they would not be infected and they could go and help as many people as they could. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so because Venice innovated all of these things and they implemented things like a quarantine and um, doctors and ways to kind of um, counteract the spread of the plague. Now, don't get me wrong, tons of people still died in Venice. So the outbreak of the plague itself happened in the 14th century. But there's actually a much later plague in Venice, which occurred in the 16th century. And a lot of times when these later cases of the plague would pop up, they would be a lot more deadly. So uh, I mentioned quarantine and that the, uh, the Venetians did a form of quarantine. So they actually had a island that they would quarantine people onto, separate away from the rest of the population. Um, so they would catch cases early on uh, and then separate them from other large populations. That had to be really scary if you were one of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, especially if you were young or, you yeah. know. But the plague that ended in, it ended in uh, 1576, and it ended up killing 50,000 people in Venice. Um, which is a lot of people, but not a whole lot when you compare it to that 75 to 200 million killed by the Black Plague all over Europe. So they were able to spare a large population even though they were a maritime republic and they did have a lot of their ships coming in with those rats just through their through its quick innovation venice was ultimately able to for the most part save itself from the plague and they thanked christ the redeemer for saving them uh, and to thank god for the deliverance from the plague they promised to build a church which they called il redentore which is the Redeemer, oh, okay. and they had a massive celebration, which they call Festa del Redentore, which is what I am going to be getting into now. Yeah, it's interesting. That church is actually still there in Venice today that you can you could visit <laughs> once we're allowed to visit places Once we're allowed again. to visit Italy again. I know Venice was hit pretty hard by this pandemic as well. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. There are so many churches in so many places, you don't always know the history. So it's interesting to find out a little bit more about, the, yeah. about this. Yeah, one. and it's a, it's a beautiful church. It's built right on the water. Yeah, it, uh, right. You could take a dive right off the steps into the water there. <laughs> if you want to. I'm just right, saying. if you want to. <laughs> Give yourself uh, another little baptism. <laughs> so the Festa del Redentore is a festival every year, uh, which takes place over the canals. Locals take boats and um, what they say is they reclaim the canals. So they make them, uh, you could essentially walk over all of these boats in the canals. And they launch a 25,000 fireworks into, into the air to blow up over Italy. So this festival is still happening even today? Yep. Yeah, they have a uh, Festa del Redentore 2020. Wow. Um, and it, it's interesting because if you look at the old flag of Venice and stuff and a lot of the kind of the Venetian, I guess, identifying things of the old Republic of, of Venice, most of it is red. The flag is mostly red. So these fireworks are, for the most part, just these like scarlet fireworks that light up the sky in red. Big puffy fireworks. Big puffy fireworks, big clouds of red smoke over all of the canals. Uh, very beautiful. Yeah. It's interesting what people do to remember 
and to celebrate. Right, because this has been going on for something like 440 years. Right, that's a lot of time. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, it's fun because it's a very kind of something for Venice, too. Like, it can also be kind of a, a national identity, nationalistic kind of thing because Venice has historically been a little separate from the rest of Italy because it was its own entity for so many years. So the Redentore began as a feast held on the day of the Feast of the Most Holy Redeemer to give thanks for the end of the terrible plague of 1576. So the Doge at the time, which was the leader of the Republic of Venice, promised to build the magnificent church, and on the Saturday of the eve of the festival, the fireworks were let off, and that's still a tradition today. So it is held on the third Sunday of July. So that's a that's a fun thing to look forward to. Yeah, I never even heard of it before, but you know, clearly we don't travel to Venice a lot. But that's something really cool that if oh, you're but there, I wish I wish we did. I know, I know. <laughs> If we did, that would be something fun to So see. the feast takes place for the most part out on the boats. So the Venetians will go and they'll dine on the boats until about 10 p.m. And then the fireworks will go up into the sky at that point. From the nearby island of San Giorgio Maggiore. So it's, they're safely going off. So they're safely going off island, a distance away. Yep. <laughs> Was um, that the same island that they stuck all the... Um... <laughs> I actually people. don't. I actually don't know. I actually don't know. But that would be uh, that would be very interesting, very fitting, right? But third Sunday of July, which may be a very fitting time. We are going through a pandemic right now, so hopefully it will be coming to a close by around that time. Hopefully sooner, but around that time, and we can celebrate. <laughs> we can all make a celebration. We can celebrate uh, Festa del Redentore together for the end of this pandemic as well. That's true. That'd be a, a good, happy, a very fitting end. end That's right. And build buildings, churches, whatever we want. That's, That's right. right. To remember. To remember it. And to have this not happen again. That's right. And hopefully earlier than that. Yes. But for now, we're still stuck in our houses. That's yep. right. So now that we're in all inside, how do we have a fantastic Easter? During this pandemic. How do we? Oh. Are you going to tell us? I will. What? Well, some tips and tricks. So the first thing is to think ahead. So, but if you want, you could do something like uh, matching pajamas. You know, think of Christmas time. Something like, um, because you're all inside. Um, Set up decorations. Decorate a place that would be great to take pictures in front of. That's a cute idea. Thinking of Instagram and such. Um, You can get the decorations off of Amazon. Honestly, I love dollar store decorations. They're cheap and easy and they make... Disposable. Exactly. And they're really, they have really, really nice colors that pop. Very easy to do. Or you can make even make homemade decorations with the kids. Right. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yeah. Like little bunnies yeah. and put like little cotton balls and as tails and things like that. So that's all cute. That would include the days leading up to Easter to help with the excitement, build the excitement. For activities during the day... Um, in the morning, you could get up and get dressed. So if you are very much used to going to an Easter service, and once you continue doing that, even during the day, could get everyone up and get dressed, or it could just be in the matching pajamas. You could watch an Easter service online with the family. That is in 
definite opportunity. Or if you have young kids with short attention spans, you could read a few paragraphs of the Easter story from the Bible before starting the holidays activities. So <laughs> kids have picture books like for the Bible. And I remember um, during, I'm just um, thinking about like what we do for Christmas, right? That has always read us a few paragraphs from the Bible before Christmas morning, before we go downstairs and open gifts and things like that. So right. that's a good way to remind the kids, you know, what Easter's all about. Yeah, and maybe do that with like, you could do it with the regular Bible or like with an adventure Bible or, you know, right. something that exactly. um, pops a little more for the kids. Yeah. yeah, You could set out a plate of carrots the night before with a note for the Easter bunny. So when the kids wake up, the carrots could be gone or half eaten. And note from the Easter Bunny will be there. You could do an Easter basket hunt. You can do a Easter egg hunt inside, indoors, or outside if you if it's nice. If, if you, you have a yard, if you have yeah. a yard, to, you can do it. Watch a traditional or nostalgic Easter movie as a family, such as it's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown. Um, there's that Easter. Here comes Peter Cottontail. Yes. Most, Anything uh, with Ten Commandments. Okay, yeah, if you want a really long one. <laughs> um, what was that other one with Sonny the Bunny? Remember that one? Uh, Easter Bunny's Coming to Town? Yeah. yeah. Uh, here comes Peter Cottontail. No, no, no. it's Easter Bunny's Coming to yeah, Town. That's yeah, that's the Easter Bunny's Coming to Town. That's yeah. the one with the bear. Yeah, with the bear. And, yes. and like the two different separated towns. The yeah, separated towns, yeah. that's right. So there are plenty of other ones as well. So whatever is nostalgic or traditional for you Easter all. Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown. There's, I think Garfield actually has an old... Easter special. It's hilarious. I'm sure a lot of them have old Easter specials. Yeah. You can um, decorate Easter eggs as well, and you can play family games. You don't have to cook them in onion skins. Although you could try that if you wanted to. I haven't tried that before. No. It could be Mm -hmm. great. It could be. Yeah. Hmm. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could just just get dye from the store. Right. So for some activities, for some games, um, I found some cute ones on Pinterest. There's Pin the Tail on the Bunny. Where you have a silhouette of the bunny and colorful little tails that kids go and try to pet on the bunny. You have um, Easter egg exercises or... Um, Wait, what's an Easter egg exercise? Like you open it and do whatever the exercise says inside yeah. the Easter egg. Yeah. So you gather Easter, egg. Easter eggs so and then take this turns. One, this one says seven bunny hops. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of So cool. it's not like there's a demon inside the egg. No. And you have to um, exercise it. No, because it's <laughs> You could Easter. do, like, an Easter egg treasure hunt, too. You could have, like, an Easter right. egg hit that starts you, and then that clue inside takes you to the next one. That yeah. Takes oh, you to the scavenger next hunts one. are great. They are yeah. They are. You can um, even do some where it's, like, um, juggle some eggs or... Um, <laughs> plastic eggs, Plastic hopefully. eggs, obviously, <laughs> yes. Um, another one is, like, quack like a duck, sing your ABCs. Sing your favorite song. Oh, these are like things in the eggs. Right. In the plastic eggs. So you can either go find them or you can just have a carton and take turns opening one up one at a time and do whatever. In fact, you could make that a week-long tradition. If you want to have traditions leading up to Easter, you could could put a um, thank you eggs where Mm -hmm. you open up the egg and it's something that you're thankful for inside the egg that you've pre-made or something like that and then on easter you read them right yeah there's a lot of different ways you could do that well you could do it each day or you do it on easter um yeah that'd be what i was thinking was if ahead of time you are things you were thankful for you stuck them in a bunch of eggs put them in a carton and then you pull one out each day and then you could remember that throughout the day whichever that thankful thing was throughout the day but you're right you could have it where you each day are writing something you're thankful for but not telling other people, right? Right, and then on Easter morning, right, yeah. you could or Easter day, you could read them. 
Right. Yeah, or you can put th- things you're thankful for about each other too. That's right. And put it and put it in an egg each day, and then just build a basket. Yeah. And you could do this for a couple of weeks or whatever, and then as people and when you open it up, they'll hear why people are thankful. You could just randomly draw them out. Yeah. Or you know Easter jokes as well. You can stick them True. as well. True. Like dad jokes. Yeah, Start Easter acceptable. dad jokes. <laughs> What happened to the Easter egg when it heard a joke? Cracked. Should it crack cracked up? up? It cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that was really cute. You can make s'more packages for the kids that say, Happy Easter to one of my favorite peeps and have the peeps marshmallows in there instead of regular marshmallows. So, y'all can roast marshmallows. Um, I have a little kit. You can do science experiments. That's true. With the kids. With peeps. You can with the heaps or with the eggs, the um, plastic eggs themselves. Yep. Um, or you can do the science experiment where how do you how can you tell a boiled egg versus a non-boiled egg with your right. kids, right? Because the boiled egg, when you spin it on a hard surface, hopefully close to the ground, it'll spin. Versus a not hard-boiled egg won't spin. Oh, really? It'll stop and spin. Right. Yeah. So I mean, there's plenty of things you can do with that. You can have Easter conversation starters, such as, what is your favorite Easter candy or treat? What is your favorite food? What is your earliest Easter memory? What is a favorite beverage of yours that had a horrible start to its history? (laughs) No, not that. That's a question for Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those are really cute ideas. They are very cute ideas. Yeah. And another thing that you can do, too, and leading up to Easter, is help have the kids help you prepare food or snacks. So um, there's an Easter bunny chow recipe. There you can do kebabs, um, colorful kebabs with like Easter peeps on the top. Yep. You can do Easter snacks like a um, Easter bunny popcorn ball, or a make um, cheese balls and make it into a carrot for the uh-huh. kids. Cute. You can do popcorn. There's swimming peeps in Jello cups. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. So and I mean, it's like there's some like color whipped cream. And put on top, like make it like a little blue jello cup and then some whipped cream that I think mm-hmm. that's best to have some blue food coloring and yeah. then peeps on top. So it yeah. looks like they're swimming in the water. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cute. really cute. Um, get them involved while, you know, you're kind of stuck indoors and, um, and going on again, going to the Skyping others and such, like it's a... Like, some of these are a great opportunity to involve grandparents or family, such as the conversations. Um, Yeah, the conversation starters. Yeah, you can even ask, like, Grandma, like, what is your earliest Easter memory? You know, get to know what they've done as well. Right. Um, You can FaceTime them and, mm -hmm. yeah, let the kids ask these questions and talk to the grandparents about it. That's a cute idea. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, we've given you some ideas. Um, Let us know what you do in this Easter, and um, have idea. fun. Yes, this is a good Easter to think ahead about traditions that you may want to keep or start, given that you may not be able to visit family in person or friends in person, or you may not be able to go to a big Easter event, like a Easter egg hunt as a family. Right. It's a good opportunity to think of other ways to create new traditions for right. your small family your immediate family right that you could do in your house or in your immediate area and make this a memorable yeah. easter even if you can't go out to the community center or the firehouse right. easter mm-hmm. egg hunt right? right at least there there can be a lot it can be really a fun little time 
And I never thought about the pajamas. Mm-hmm. It's a really cute idea, too, to have pastel pajamas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and even in the kids' Easter baskets, instead of maybe focusing so much on candy, it could be, like, um, family games. Yeah, you know, that's right. Them for right. Easter. Yeah, family games and activities. That's mm-hmm. a good idea. Cute. Very fun. Thank you for those ideas, Sydney. Our future festivities are for the week of April 6th. April 6th is New Beer's Eve. Like B-E-E-R. Phosphor, hmm. yes. New Beer's Eve. Because April 7th is National Beer Day. (laughs) April 8th is National Zoo Lovers Day. April 9th is Monday Thursday. April 10th is Good Friday. April 11th is Easter Saturday. April 12th is Easter. And you can always follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons, all one word. On Facebook, you can find us in the search bar. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group by searching Holiday Moons. And you can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Beth, Randy, Cole, and Sydney, Happy Easter! Bring in every girl and boy Baskets full of Easter joy Things to make your Easter bright and gay He's got jelly beans for Tommy Colored eggs for Sister Sue There's an orchid for your mommy And an Easter bonnet too Oh, here comes Peter Cottontail Hopping down the bunny trail Hippity-hoppity happy Easter day here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Look at him stop and listen to him say. Try to do the things you should, maybe if you're extra good, he'll roll lots of Easter eggs your way. You'll wake up on Easter morning and you'll know that he was there. When you'll find those chocolate bunnies that he's hiding in. Oh, here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity-hoppity, happy Easter day.